Hey there, everyone. I want to round out our whole series that we've been talking about the squeeze, um, and in particular in this month where we've been looking at our convictions. I want to round that out today. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the difference between living a life of convenience versus a life of conviction. And obviously, if we're going to live a life of conviction, we need to know really overtly what our convictions are. And I've said for a long time, the two most important revelations and convictions that the people of God can have is firstly, a conviction about who God is, and secondly, a conviction about who I am. And when those two areas, who God is and who I am, are firmly grounded and anchored in truth, then we are set up for a life of fruitfulness in the kingdom um, and for a whole lot more personal wholeness as well. So who God is and who I am. Two weeks ago, we workshopped through our convictions on who God is um, and in particular, the experiences in our life that have shaped that. And in this short session, I want us to workshop a little the idea of who am I and what are my convictions about who I am. So, to do that, I want to start with a couple of questions. And at any point in this one, if you need to pause the video and jot some things down and, or pause the audio, whichever way you're, you're getting through this, um, feel free to do that. The first question is this. Who are the key people that have most positively influenced how you see yourself? And then, what were the key messages they gave you about you? So I want you to pause and I want you to think about that for a moment. Who are the key people that have most positively influenced how you see you? And what are the key messages that they gave you about you? So that's the first one. We want to stop. We want to get that down, actually get that down on paper. So if you need to pause right now, please feel free to do that. Now, the second question is this. What have you had to fight against in your life to be true to those messages, those positive messages that you just wrote down a moment ago? What have you had to fight against in order to be true to those messages? For me, I grew up in a pretty healthy environment for which I'm really thankful. It didn't mean there was some things uh, that, I didn't, that didn't need some correction um, and some healing, that's pretty normal. But on the whole, it was a really healthy environment. For, for that, I'm deeply, deeply thankful. But for me, one of the things that I had to fight against in order to be true to the revelation of who I am was the need for others' approval. Um, I was a bit of an approval addict. Um, I grew up with that, and you know, even into my, my early years in ministry, um, I, that, that was something that I had to fight against, in a sense. And when I say fight against, there were some things that needed healing, um, which is really the truth about that. But for you, what are some of the things that you have had to fight against to be true to that revelation? Maybe it's an issue of self-worth. Maybe it's been an issue of perfectionism. Um, maybe it's a, an issue of, I, I'm always comparing myself to other people. Maybe it's a need to be in control. Uh, maybe it's cynicism. Um, maybe it's a fear of disappointing others, fear of rejection. Um, what is it for you? What are the things that you have had to fight against? We want to get that really squarely in our sight. So I want you to take a moment now, pause this and just jot a few thoughts down about that. What have you had to fight against in order to be true to the revelation of who you are?
Okay, that sets a foundation for what we want to look at now. So what I want us to explore for a moment here is key early voices in our lives because the voices that speak into our life in our formative years, particularly from naught to eight, would be the top ones. And then from eight through to about 18 is also really, really significant. But from eight through to 18, we have a better ability to evaluate the messages. From naught to eight, our brain isn't developed enough to actually evaluate those messages. So in your growing up years, and you know, let's take naught to 18, but just understand that naught to eight are gonna be the most powerful. Who are the key early voices in your life? Now, the key people in our lives in that period of time is usually dad, mum, and then there are other authority figures. This could be aunties and uncles. This could be, you know, significant family connections. This could be school teachers, sporting coaches, any other significant voices of authority. In other words, adult or older person voices into my life during those formative years. So dad, mum, other authority figures. And then we have the voices of siblings, brothers and sisters, um, and maybe include in that if you had cousins and the like that grew up with you and were quite close to you. And then we have our peers, our friendship groups. So in each of those key areas in your life, and there's a sheet on this that's attached to the, uh, the, the notes on this that you can download and you can, you can scribble all over this. What did these key people communicate? And I want you to start with each voice. Start with dad, go through the whole process. Start with mum, go through the whole process. Then do other authority figures, then do siblings, then do peers. Do them each separately. So let's say we're starting with dad. What did dad communicate by either his presence or his absence? And there could be both in there. Some, when he was present, he was like this, but more often than not, he was absent. And his absence communicated rejection, for example. His actions, his absence communicated, he didn't want to be around me. So what did he communicate by his presence or absence? What did he communicate by his words? What did he communicate by his actions? And particularly about your value and worth your impact on the world around you. What do I mean by that? I mean, what do they tell, like when you walk into a room, what is their feedback? You know, when you walk into the room, you make, you light up the room, you make this happy. I'm really happy when you are in the room. Or was it more a message of things are really miserable when you're around? And it could be anywhere in between. Things get more difficult when you're around. Things get more complex when you're around. Whatever it is, what did they communicate about your impact on the world around you? And what do they communicate to you about your destiny? So a, a negative destiny statement is you'll never amount to anything or you can't do that. Versus, you know, you could be like this, you, you're an influencer, you know, you're powerful, you're a leader, you can do anything that you put your mind and heart to. What were the messages that were communicated about you and your destiny? Okay, so what do they communicate by their presence or absence, by their words and their actions, about your value and worth, your impact the world on the around you, and your destiny. And for each of those, I want you to think about the positive messages as well as the negative messages, because sometimes we get both. It's not all one, when it's, all, when it's good, it's not all good. When it's negative, it's not all negative. So I want us to get all of those beliefs out there. So 
You may want to pause right now and start working on some of that, or you may want to see this through um, and then come back to it afterwards and download the, uh, download the sheet there. Um, up to you. Once you've got all of those out there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to compare the positive and the negative messages and then rate the top three that have the most emotional charge behind them. When I say emotional charge, I mean, you know that feeling of when you have a thought that is emotionally charged, there's passion, there's, there, there's emotion that, that is um, very much impregnating and empowering that thought. So what are the top three? So there might be, you know, the top two might be positive and the third might be negative, or the top two might be negative and the third might be positive. All of them might be negative, all of them might be positive. There's no right or wrong answer in that, but what I wanna know is what are the top three messages that have the most emotional charge behind them out of the ones that you've just workshopped through about your value and worth, your impact on the world around you and your destiny. So take a moment to have a look at that. Now, when you've workshopped that, let's have a look at the positives and the negatives. The positives, the positives, these are your emotional anchors. Okay, these are the things that you anchor to in order to approach the world from a place of health, from a place of functionality, from a place of I am genuinely and unconditionally loved and I'm genuinely empowered to deal with life. So your positives are your emotional anchors. These are the ones that give you a glimpse of the voice and the presence of the Father in your life. These are your convictions. These are the things that you want to keep in front of you as absolute convictions as to who you are. And when life throws stuff at you that challenges that, you come back to these, put these in front of you, meditate on them and anchor yourself to that so that you're not blown around by everything that the world is throwing at you. Those are the positives. The negatives, the negatives are our targets for healing. Okay, these are the areas where we wanna let the, the love of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit touch those areas in our hearts to bring healing so that those messages aren't consistently warring against our true identity and all of that's happening inside of us. And remember, the, the healing that we want to experience is more about the events that have led to those messages than the messages themselves. When the events are healed, the messages lose power. So when the times when dad said to me, you'll never amount to anything, when times like, when those moments actually get healed, then those statements lose their power. And that's what we're looking for. Because so many of us are walking around every day and there is a battle going on inside of us over our identity, largely because of significant emotional experiences that we've had with significant voices in our life. And when those go around unhealed, then we have this conflict from within that the enemy uses and exploits to bring us down, to make, a, to make us anxious, to make us depressed and to disqualify us and kick us out of our destiny. That's where we want to kick some butt, if I may say. So the negative ones are our target for healing. So you know, get some kind of highlighter, some kind of colored pen, circle those key messages and go, these are the targets for healing. And then 
How are you gonna go about that healing journey? Who do you need help from? Who do you need to walk with you? Some of you are gonna be awesome once you get those out there just sitting with Jesus and working it through with him and others of you are gonna need some help and support with that. Either way, there's no right or wrong. It's just whatever you need, let me encourage you to take ownership of your life and take action to ask for the help that you need if that's what you need. So the positives are our anchors, the negative messages are our targets for healing. Then, I've talked about this before, your data stream. What are you feeding yourself on? Also attached to this, uh, to the show notes here in the podcast uh, and also on the website where the video is, there is a sheet with some scriptures around who am I? Um, Neil Anderson, I don't know if any of you remember Neil Anderson, has done some incredible work around pulling out some of the key scriptures as to who we are and who scripture, in other words, who God says we are. These are some of the things that we need to feed ourselves on. And ultimately, one of the biggest convictions, as I've said before, is will the voice of Scripture, will the voice of God through Scripture actually be more of our truth than anything that anyone else has said? Because that's one of the key convictions is that what Scripture says is more true than my experience. So when we take that conviction that what scripture says is more true than my experience, then we can feed ourselves on some of these scriptures. And like I said, there's a sheet there, but let me just give you the areas. There's a section there on that I am accepted. In other words, I am loved. I'm loved unconditionally. And there are some scriptures there that I want to encourage you to feed yourself on, especially if some of your negative messages are around rejection, then these are scriptures that are really incredibly important for you, that help you anchor. And the more that you meditate on them, it leads you into an experience of those things. These are not meant to be just cognitive things, although that's helpful even in and of itself, but these cognitive things is actually meant to to lead you to an experience of what those scriptures are saying. So I'm accepted. I am secure. Scripture's about our security, our freedom from condemnation, our absolute forgiveness, um, and who God will be to us in that. There's a number of them there. So if you battle with um, any kind of insecurity, or uncertainty, avoidance, and the like, then I want to encourage you, feed yourself on those scriptures. And then scripture's about your significance, who you are in God, the... the um, the gift that you bring to the world about who God says you are as his child, that you can approach him with freedom and confidence, that you are his workmanship. You know, if you are his workmanship, then really who are we to say that God's workmanship sucks? You know, who are we to say that God's workmanship is no good? It's not really honoring of an artist to say that their work is no good. Um, and if we are God's workmanship, if we are his artistic creation, um, really who are we to say that he, he didn't get it so right when he made us. So that's around our significance, around our acceptance, our security, and our significance. Three really primary areas that make up our identity. So in addition to processing these experiences, I want to encourage you deeply to feed yourself on scriptures like this that speak to who you are so that those convictions get built in us experientially. And remember that these scriptures, they're not just words on a page. These words are spirit and are life. And so as you take them in and meditate on them, there is actually spiritual power released in you around those truths. That's what we're looking for. So a couple of key things. 
processing our positive and negative messages, the key voices in our life. And like I said, worksheet on that that you can download. And then key scriptures around my acceptance, my security, and my significance. Again, download those, meditate over those, and that'll give us plenty of stuff to do for the next little while. Lastly, I want us to just practice a simple experiential anchor. And this is something that you can do whether you're driving your car right now listening to this or whether you're sitting in front of a screen, um, whether you're on the train um, or sitting at home in front of your computer, your iPad or your TV, whatever. This is something you can do wherever you are. And this is a simple experiential anchor. I use this you know, in church stuff. I use this even in corporate stuff. What we know is that God is love. And that his love is, you know, the Greek word agape, which is unconditional love. His love is not based in our performance, um, our view of ourselves. anything. His, his love is based in who he is and, and how he sees us, nothing to do with us in terms of our perception or our behavior. So when we get in touch with unconditional love, we are actually getting in touch with the presence of God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just stop. Pause for a moment, get all of your distractions out of the way, put your phone on do not disturb uh, for a bit, turn any email things off, yeah, uh, just for a couple of minutes. And I want you to remember a time when you have felt absolutely and unconditionally loved. Most of us have one or two people in our life um, that really have epitomized that, that you know, we feel absolutely safe around. We can be at our best or our worst and it doesn't matter. Their love for us is, is unimpacted. Remember a time when you felt absolutely and completely and unconditionally loved. And just take a moment to really associate into that experience. Let your body and your mind start to feel what it is like to feel absolutely and unconditionally loved. Take notice, where do you feel that in your body? What does that feel like? Does it feel heavy? Does it feel light? Um, where do you feel it? Just take note of the experience. And then just sit with that experience. Just stay with it. This experience starts to become a really key anchor for you. So many times when I do this with people, and sometimes it's in front of a group in a corporate environment, other times it's in a church environment, I ask people, what's it like for you when you're unconditionally loved? And people say, it's light. You know, the, the, the noise in my head just stops. Things are peaceful. I don't need to prove myself anymore. Um, I don't need to get everything perfect anymore. I don't need to be in control so much anymore. All of those things um, are really, really common things. And then, what would it be like to walk through every day of my life with that as my anchor? Because actually, that's supposed to be the kingdom life. That we are absolutely unconditionally loved, that we are deeply and intimately connected with the heart of the Father. And that's meant to be an experience that anchors us throughout our life. And that experience leads us to the experience of 1 John 4 verse 4, which is greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. In other words, no matter what the world throws at me, I'm resourceful. 
I am, I am absolutely loved, I'm absolutely accepted. That's not on the line. So I can approach whatever situation knowing that my security, my identity, my worth, it's not on the line. It's not being challenged here. That's already settled because I am anchored to the unconditional love of the Father. And I use the experience of an earthly person to connect you to the experience of the Heavenly Father. Some people say, just remember a time, you know, go into an experience of God. And some people kind of struggle to get there. But the vast majority of us, whether, whether Christian or not, um, can remember a time or a person that has unconditionally loved us and anchor into that experience and know that that earthly experience of unconditional love is just a glimpse of, a, of the power of the unconditional love of the Father. So let's start with what we can access. And it's often the human experience of unconditional love we can access. And let's use that as a springboard into the unconditional love of the Father. So I want to encourage you with what we've done in this session. Is just go over it a few times. Um, go through the, the, the sheet around the key voices around dad, mom, you know, significant other authority figures, siblings, peers. I want you to spend some time with that because this is not just about ticking the box on some teaching. We are really, really serious about seeing Christ formed in every single one of us at so much deeper level. And these are some of the key things that war against who we really are. But as we go through this, we start to surface some of the things that are warring against our identity. We get them out, we get them healed. And who we are in Christ becomes our core experiential identity, not just conceptual, but experiential. And out of that is a strong place that we can go out into the world and take territory. And we'll be talking more about that um, in days and weeks to come. But stick with this. Go through it until you're done. Don't just let this be like a podcast that you listen to. Go through the exercises and let's take it deep. Bless you.